0: we'll hear insight and perspective from two guests that fill some of the many roles within this incredible industry. Welcome to The Room Block, and enjoy your stay. Hello, Room Block podcast listeners. I hope everyone is doing well during this usually rough time of year. It's a little bleak and dark during these days of January, especially this year. However, I I do like to notice that it is staying lighter, just a little bit later each and every day, which to me is an an indication that we are definitely on the road to spring. And this year, the warm weather paired with an increased vaccine distribution will make the spring and summer especially bright. There are some places in the world, however, that thrive in these winter months under normal circumstances, maybe not this year, But places that are known for their winter tourism, such as the Alpine resort town of St. Moritz, located in the Engadin region of Switzerland. Did you know that Switzerland is commonly regarded as the home of hospitality? Yes, it's because it began seriously catering to tourists when tourism was just getting started. Now, I'm not here to give you a lesson in hospitality history, But I am here to bring you unique perspectives from a variety of professionals from our fine industry, which is why today I am bringing you a conversation with two general managers who just happen to be natives of Switzerland to share their visions of leadership and how their foundations of hospitality have shaped their 2020 experience and continues to guide them as we move forward. Philippe Clarenval is the general manager of the award winning Carlton Hotel in St. Moritz, Switzerland. He has held similar positions at several other luxury hotels over the last two decades. He's also earned multiple degrees and certificates in hotel management and leadership during this time and is currently a doctoral candidate at the University of Liverpool. We are joined by Rob Brandenburg, who is the general manager at the Pan Pacific Seattle Hotel and has also spent the last two decades in a variety of management positions in luxury hotels spanning three different continents. He started as a pastry chef in Zurich, Switzerland, which is also where he was born. My conversation with these two gentlemen took me to another place in time, one that I long to be. Speaking with people who were born and have lived and worked in countries other than my own, brings to light the limitless possibilities and viewpoints that exist on our planet, but also remind me of our shared humanity. This was illustrated by listening to Philippe and Rob speak about their experiences this past year while in completely different continents, yet sharing the same challenges. It was also interesting to see that in the end, the constants that emerged as being so important to each of them were the same. This could be because they have a friendship that has stood the test of time and location, or perhaps it's evidence that underneath it all, we really are the same. Let's move now to hear from Philippe and Rob as we explore this extraordinary time in our history through the lens of Swiss hospitality. Hello everyone, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Room Block Podcast. Today, we are spanning multiple time zones. And I mean, like really far away. We have people joining us from overseas in Switzerland. We have someone joining us from Seattle. So we got the full gamut here. I am so pleased to welcome Philippe Clarenval and Rob Brandenburg. Hello, Phil and Rob.
1: Hello, Jen. Hi, Jen, privileged to be here.
0: Thanks so much for joining me. It's so exciting. I should probably give a little background on who these guests are before i let them do that job philippe and i if anyone has listened to my trailer episode of the room block i talk about my time spent at the palmer house and that's where i started working as a concierge and it was there that i learned what a fantastic profession hospitality is and it is because really of people like Philippe, who taught me about what it's like to work at hotels in Europe and in other countries and just what a respected profession it is. So Philippe, thank you. I mean, I I really have to credit you for giving me such a foundation of hospitality.
2: Oh, thank you, Jen. You're so lovely. Uh, Those days at the Palmer House, of course, I will never forget because um, that was my first real job, actually, after graduating, and Initially, I was supposed to become a dentist. I don't know if you remember that, but my father said, you you will be a dentist, my son. And um, I studied uh, medicine until I emancipated, and I actually chose what uh, my heart was beating for, and that was hospitality. And And after London and, and Brussels, I ended up in Chicago, and that's where we met. And uh, it's so nice to see how this friendship has never... Ended or ceased to be, and uh, yeah, it's. I always keep very fond memories of my time in Chicago.
0: Yes, me too. Those those were the years for sure. Working at that hotel mm. with all of us hanging out at after work, going to Miller's Pub, and all that good <laughs> stuff. But yes, very fond memories. And uh, I was for, we were fortunate enough to run into each other or to see each other. Uh, f- I think three or four years ago when you you did come back to Chicago, and we had a meal at Miller's pub and that was so wonderful to see you then. And it's wonderful to see you again today.
2: You know, these, these friendships are, are unique. It's like with Robert also is sometimes you don't see each other. You don't talk for a long time, but, uh, whenever you see each other again, then it's like seamless. It's like as if there was no time in between. And, and I, I think that's what real friendship is about.
0: I totally agree. Well, before we get too far down a road of friendship, because I'm dying to hear more about your friendship between the two of you, let's let's start at the very beginning. And I feel like I'm going to start singing "Sound of Music," <laughs> but let's we'll start at the very beginning. And uh, Philippe, if you could just kind of tell us—I mean, you you started to mention about your your change from dentist to hospitality, but but bring us through your career and tell us. How you got to where you are today as a general manager?
2: So after Chicago, I returned to Switzerland, where I worked um, in, in various hotels. And then um, in 2008 or 2009, um, I left to Jakarta, uh, to Asia. So I worked with Shangri-La there. And then uh, after two and a half, three years, I returned back to Switzerland, where I managed the Omnia, mountain lodge in zermatt which is one of the very famous ski destinations in switzerland Um, uh, it's a beautiful hotel uh, which i which i actually shaped quite a bit before i came to the carlton in st moritz and this is now my fourth year uh, here in this beautiful mountain resort
0: okay and uh, i i follow the hotel on facebook because it's so exquisite, and I, I see it, and I, I'm determined to get there someday and visit you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I'm so sad that I haven't been able to yet, but it just looks stunning.
2: It is, it is, and Saint Moritz is a landmark. is uh, It's a birthplace of winter tourism, and the hotel is uh, is an all suites hotel. Rob has been here; he knows exactly what I'm talking about. So especially when you have the the snow covered mountains and the sun, it's it's absolutely beautiful. And it is an invitation, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: yes, I didn't mean to invite myself, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rab, you are also Swiss, correct?
1: That is correct.
0: But you're in Seattle now, so what's your story?
1: Uh, my story goes back to, I would say, go back to 2000 when I, when I f- found my way into this country, um, always wanted to travel to the U S always wanted to live in America. I have an American aunt, maybe that kind of, um, rubbed off on me a little bit. Um, but for some reason I was always fascinated by this great, beautiful country. And, uh, I was able to make my way into Manhattan, New York, uh, in 2000, right after my, uh, history degree apprenticeship and my culinary apprenticeship uh, and started at the peninsula New York as a, God, as an assistant room service manager. I had no idea what I was going to do. Barely spoke English, had a suit that didn't match and a few dollars in my pocket and uh, just packed everything up and left Switzerland right after the uh, 2000, um, 6th of January in 2000. And I was on a plane and Started my career and never stopped. Um, Spent six years in Manhattan and then uh, made the change over to the West Coast and arrived in San Francisco. Met my wife Briska there, got married, and then uh, took off to Asia Pacific to meet Phil.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's Um, okay.
1: Yeah, we met there. We didn't know that we're going to meet, of course. I'm going to let him uh, explain you or tell you the story, how he uh, stalked me and tracked me down. Uh, and then I, I spent some time in Asia Pacific for about four and a half years in uh, Jakarta and in Bangkok, and then returned back to the US over Atlanta to the St. Regis there and found my way back to California. And now I am so blessed and so excited to have made my way into the Pacific Northwest most beautiful part of the country, in my opinion, having traveled pretty much uh, into every part of it. And yeah, I, I, I started uh, here, my uh, first GM role here at the Pan Pacific Seattle. Um, it's a hersha owned managed hotel, and uh, it's part of a small group that is based in, uh, in Asia Pacific, in Singapore, uh, Pan Pacific. It's about 18 properties, uh, two different brands, 40 hotels in total, service departments, not very well known here, but we have some beautiful properties up uh, in our neighbors in the north in Vancouver and uh, Toronto, Whistler Mountain, they are Mm -hmm. uh, four properties in total that are close to us. Yeah, it's a very small, small uh, hotel, 153 rooms in the most beautiful part of downtown Seattle, Um, huge potential. And, uh, yeah, we're, we just uh, recently reopened back uh, and having a very good run right now, to say.
0: Oh, well, congratulations. That's good news. I love hearing good news like that.
1: Yeah, you, you, have, to, you have to remain optimistic, right? Yes,
0: yes. Well, we're, yep, we're in a new year and, and it's a brand new day especially here in the United States. So. <laughs> but um and I I could not agree with you more about the beauty of the Pacific Northwest. I have been fortunate enough to travel out there a bit, make my way even up to Vancouver and Whistler and it is gorgeous. But Seattle is great, great
1: city. You have another uh, invitation open. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> Thank you very much. I am going to I cannot wait for travel to start up again because I have many exciting places to visit. So thank you both. Let's talk about then this stalking story. I'm very curious, (laughs) Phil, could you explain to us, because Rab is the one who would like you to (laughs) tell your side of the story. How did you two meet in in Jakarta it was, correct?
2: Yes, it was um, serendipity. You know, it's when when fortunate uh, circumstances occur. Um, when I got ready to join Shangri-La as a uh, resident manager uh, in Jakarta, uh, I have received a newspaper extract um, where famous people from Switzerland got married abroad. And uh, Robert and Priska were in that newspaper. And I thought, oh, that's uh, that's funny because he's a hotelier. He lives in Jakarta. He's Swiss. Um, I'm going to a a city that has, I don't know, 20 million inhabitants. It would be nice to have a friend, a Swiss friend. And uh, so the name Brandenburg is stuck to my mind. And uh, just one or two months later, actually, on the 1st of August uh, uh, 2009, was the Swiss National Day. Uh, which we celebrated at the Grand Hyatt um, was a celebration given by the Swiss Embassy, and I thought I'd go there and introduce myself. And then all of a sudden, I saw Priska, and I thought, Wow! And then came Robert,
0: <laughs> and I thought <laughs> <laughs> you recognized him,
2: of course. And I thought okay. that must be the guy, exactly. So I oh knocked goodness. at his shoulder, and then he uh, said, "Well, are you? Aren't you?" Uh, Robert Brandenburg and he turned around and he thought who is this guy asking me those questions <laughs> and uh, he said yes and then I introduced myself I had to explain a bit how I knew him etc and um from there our friendship began so we uh we set another he was there with other friends I was there with my director of protocol who taught me how to greet people and uh, and all these these famous ministers and all that stuff and uh so I had to uh I stuck with her and Robert went on on his side with his friends the Swiss connection as it appeared to be and then the week later uh we we had lunch together at at my hotel and um and then after that followed many other parties so it was it was a fabulous story
1: Yeah and to put this a little bit more in perspective Jen that that ballroom was humongous it was it was beautifully decorated with Swiss gondolas. And there must've been about a thousand people there. And you had cars from all the embassies driving and because everybody knew mm. uh, that celebration there is outstanding food, lots of cheese, good meats. Yeah, that's another reason why Phil and I went there. And, and, and when, when Phil approached me, you know, you have like this instant like re- reflex where you're like, you're reaching your chest. And I'm like, is my name, do I have my name tag on? <laughs> or, or did I become famous? Well, why is this person out of this crowd just greeting me by name? I've never seen him, never heard of him. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely serendipity.
2: Well, it is a Hotelier's reflex, right? Greeting people by name. That's correct. <laughs> it, it's in our core. Hmm.
1: Yes.
0: Well, that is a serendipitous story. And then your friendship, I mean, I suppose it could have gone in a totally different direction. <laughs> when you think about it, you could have said... Okay, well nice to meet you and I'll never see you again but that is not what happened and it sounds like you two have formed a lasting friendship so that 2009 here we are uh, over a decade later
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's just like one of those stories love at first sight uh, where you're <laughs> like you just know when you when the chemistry is right and you align with this other person's thinking and ideologies. And, and we came to find out that even our management style and the way we we, we look at things and how we wanna uh, be in a human-centered environment is just so alike. And uh, he has become, for me personally, not only a good friend, but also somebody I look up to. And I never had a mentor uh, in my entire career. and. He's probably the closest to that I ever had a mentor for somebody I could just call up and ask random questions or not so random questions and you know in, in moments of joy, moments of desperation, moments of what am I gonna do now? And hey, what do you think? And yeah, that that helped me personally a lot. So thank you, Phil.
0: I love that. And so would you say that you talk on a fairly regular basis then?
2: I would say so, yeah. Regular can, depends on how long the interval in between is, but uh um yeah, yeah, definitely and especially since since Robert tries to come to Switzerland as often as possible and uh his parents own a, an apartment very close to to St. Moritz, so we see each other quite uh quite regularly and then whenever there is it's actually strange to see when you think about a person right and that person just drops you a whatsapp then you see that the chemistry is working that there is uh, some quantum uh, conversation or communication going on and that happens quite regularly and 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 rob is actually somebody who um who entertains the relationship a lot so yeah all of a sudden you have a whatsapp in your inbox and then uh and then when the time is right you just call back and then you you have a, a short conversation or a facetime etc so yeah it is it is an ongoing con- communication
0: yeah. you guys are like uh brothers from another mother right <laughs> you,
2: you-, you- you could say that. You, just, you kind of
0: <laughs> pick up where you mm-hmm. left off. You don't have to talk necessarily all the time. You see each other when you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, have you been back to Switzerland in the last year?
1: Yeah. My wife and I like to return at least once a year during Christmas or during the summertime. And you know, it's not always possible, especially when you're moving from one place to the next. But it's... You know, it, it you need to charge your batteries, uh, your 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 home batteries uh, once in a while, and uh, that's that's definitely something that you would want to do on an annual basis. And uh, Phil is always part of our our tour. Uh, my wife has a really uh, a good friendship with him as well, and uh, yeah, we're 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 a good bunch when we're together. Um, we spend good time. We cook. We we eat. We We drink some good wines. I've seen Philips hotels open and closed during off seasons and during seasons since he's always worked in seasonal um, establishments. And yeah, it's always a highlight for me, you know, wandering around and asking him about what about this floor? Yeah, but you have how many more rooms did you actually have? And where is that? And show me the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, it's always very special.
0: Well, you know, industry friendships are so cool because I feel like we really know what it's like to be in the trenches together. You know, even if you've never worked at the same property, which you, know, Phil, and I have, um, I don't believe you two have necessarily, but you both know what it's like. So you know, you can you can talk shop, but you cannot. And then it you know you have the ability to talk about personal things as well, just because you really, hoteliers tend to understand each other, you know, we <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's not an easy job.
2: I must say also just to, because that's an important point that you, you raise is uh, when you have personal doubts or questions, or you're in a, not, not necessarily in a professional environment, but your profession impacts you personally so much that um Obviously, your personal life sometimes suffers also from your um, professional life, and then um, problems may arise. And Rob actually helped me also through through some some periods where uh, that could be very stressful. Um, and he's a very wise man. You know, he gave me a lot of flowers now, but but uh, but Priska and he they um, they gave me perspective as well.
0: Well, good. It's so sounds like there's a lot of give and take with your friendship, which that's what it's all about. Well, so I would love to hear some of these unique perspectives, and you know, a big part of my show, what I really love to touch on with my guests, um, I just I love the topic of leadership. I love learning how other people lead. What's what's important to you? So I would love for each of you to kind of talk a bit about. As leaders, um, you know, you're both general managers of your properties, but you know, I, I really feel like anybody can be a leader, no matter what position you're in, right? But you happen to be in the general manager position. But wh- what are your priorities as leaders? You know, how, what are what's most important to you with you, the people that you work with, and or the people that work for you? What's most important for you to bring out into your properties or, or with your guests?
1: You know, uh, to what it just said, I think important is to note that there's a difference between managing and leading. Right? There's a, there are a lot of managers out there. There are a lot of operators out there, but they are not necessary leaders. They are not inspiring. They are not really having the teams back, and the back doesn't have uh, that, that managers or that leaders back. And and I think that's very important to differentiate um, in our business. You know, I, I, I distinct between a hotelier and an operator. You know, there's a lot of great operators around us, especially in this country that I've found where the hotel industry maybe does not have the prestige as it has in, in Filsnäckowicz uh, and, and, and maybe in entire Europe. Where you have here in this continent, you have a lot of great operators, good bottom line performers, but the the, the sense of the hotelier, that 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 ultimate host, that uh, person that has all the senses on, you know, when you're sitting with Phil, you, you know that he spotted when the piano is playing too loud. And and if the light is not at the right level, and that's just what we do. And an operator doesn't notice that an operator is just basically doing these things, manages a lot from from an office. And that's probably another similarity that we both realized we we have and we, we treasure very much so you kind of go into your question that uh, what's important um i think it's all the success is is for me is, is being a human-centered leader you know it's 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 you know that that that's the most that, that's the most valuable asset you will always have you know you you can have the most beautiful hotel. You can have the finest sheets and the best china and, and crystal glasses. But if you don't have a culture and, and you don't have the, the the staff around to extend that service and create those experiences for the guests walking through your door and paying good money for your services, then then there's really no point in doing any of it. Then, then you might as well just, you know, be... Uh, uh, going into another business. Um, but for us, that that's really the core. I mean, that, that for me, it's all about having a team that you communicate, that you train, that you treasure, that you develop. And, and that moves on after working with you at some point to bigger and better things. You know, uh, what's more beautiful than having somebody of your team leave you which always hurts because you spend a lot of money and, and time into into somebody's development, but mm-hmm. moves on to the next career and you know, flourishes in a in a different hotel or different industry, and that for me is always the biggest reward still and will always be.
0: I love hearing that. That that's such a beautiful mentality that 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 is your reward is knowing that you've taken somebody and you've trained them and you've and you've brought them to a place where they can now achieve the next great level of their life. And, you know, I think back to when I was working in hotels and it was always so helpful when you had leadership that kind of tried to enforce the fact that you are you are that host you know you have to think about you're welcoming people into your home and 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 how does that how can you translate that into into your job instead of just you know it's so easy to forget about that aspect of it and to just tell your people well here's the job you have to go do it here's a here's your goal here's your sales goal try to make the numbers blah 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 but like there's so many deeper levels that you can take it into a hotel and into the spirit of hospitality, then that's what really makes or breaks a property and a leader. So how about you, Philippe?
2: I wanted to listen to what Rob would say um, because I'm very interested in his perspective. And just to add a few facets of the prism and to, to illustrate that with him is as as a leader i think he's incredibly de- dedicated he's he's passionate uh, almost obsessed in his passion and oh, cool. <laughs> uh, his integrity of thought is unparalleled and uh, his loyalty and, and and he's so smart and he's a hedonist and he's humble and and what i want to say with this is whenever he interacts with somebody he makes a difference in other people's lives and i think that it's this little delta of in change of behavior that is instrumental in leadership is when whenever a person comes into your office you want them to leave with an elevated feeling even if you have to reprimand you want them to leave the interaction with you with a good spirit you know i think that is what leadership is about but in order to be successful because all these attributes actually um are very transforming is when you when you are considering your your team member as an individual uh when you're intellectually stimulating that person or when you're motivating, when you're inspiring and when you actually display your idealized behaviors and attributes, yeah, that is transforming leadership. But in our role, we have to be transactional as well. So we have to, we have to tell what kind of behaviors we expect, right? And then give the the, the teams their, their framework in which they can operate um, correctly. So, they need the boundaries so what i want to say is in order to be an effective leader i think that you have to be able to navigate between the two in in that spectrum between transforming and transaction right that is what makes a good leader because when rob tells um, that the operator is basically transactional right you have you look at the figures you look at the bottom line and of course you want to have an ebitda and, and, and all that stuff but on the other hand, when you have your teams, how inspired are they to go the extra mile? yeah how passionate are they about this job, or will they choose another career yeah how how close to jumping off are they, or will they go through fire for you? you know mm. that is what what um the quintessential leader is about
1: and and I think to support that even further. It's, it's, it's the finite mindset, I think, that makes many leaders inefficient. It's just for the next scorecard to be balanced and, and, and for a good year-end closing. But, but what I see in, in, in Phil as well, although he has the, the challenge that he needs to hire and train the staff almost annually, some of it, because you have your seasonal property, is that that, that infinite, in, infinite mindset really is what carries you further? Yes, I do need to improve my bottom line right now, mm-hmm. but what am I gonna do down the road when I don't have that engine to build my culture back up? And what am I gonna do then? You, as a hotelier, you, you need to be always three, six months, twelve months ahead of, of, of where you are right now, but the same time you need to be so extremely present uh, that it it can be exhausting at times Um, but at the same time it's it's an incredible challenge that I think is just incredibly rewarding I mean I'm thinking about Phil's number two in at the Omnia and you were you were mentoring him you were working on 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 getting him to take your seat and he did and he did continue to create greatness at D I mean, that's just that's just beautiful.
0: Well, well done, Phil. <laughs> it sounds mm-hmm. like you it sounds yeah. like you are uh, the kind of leader that people will walk through fire for. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've just come out of well, I, I suppose we're still in, but I was gonna say we've just come out of such a challenging year. A challenging time. We're we're still in a challenging time have you felt the need to adjust or enhance any of the things that you do as leaders in the past year any any new needs that you have seen that you you need to touch on and and work through
2: yeah definitely of course i think nobody on this planet uh remains unchanged um everybody has changed their behaviors and or their mindset but I think we we understand now what what are the constants, um, and that is love, compassion, empathy, um, understanding, tolerance, things like that uh, that are really crucial. And for us in 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 our industry, that is so hard hit. Um, I think we have to to communicate openly, transparently, proactively, etc., so that people know what what they are what they can expect right because um I'm fortunate enough to 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 manage a s- small property with with uh, as I said only 60 suites um so we are very agile but that gives a challenge also to for for the for the staff to not always know where we are heading so it's my role to communicate that um transparently and I think we we have done that in the past months very very well right and when you don't know then you have to tell that you don't know right but you have also to to tell what are your principles and what is your vision and what is your purpose and you have to stay aligned with with that and you have to 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 keep your strategy um even if if you are in a agile environment you have to to tell that the strategy is is this or that and perhaps it has it can change but ultimately you have to follow your purpose. Right. And I think that is in, in every family. Um it's exactly the same. Look at look at you. You have also faced challenges and you adapted. You were agile and you are you know, you're heading a, a family, you're a COO of a family.
1: Okay? And and that is
2: is not an easy task. And and I have so much admiration for for everybody. Um who is um, adapting quickly, but who stays true to their values.
1: Yeah, it's a fine balancing act, right? Where you, you're forced to push things through. You need to, some of us uh, last year had to lay off a lot of people. We had to shatter dreams. We had to, you know, say goodbyes. And in, and at the same time, you still need to, a leader right what does that mean under those circumstances is that just to be positive um, no i think optimistic yes because positivity essentially means that you're just telling everybody it's going to be fine well we couldn't say that because we knew it's not going to be fine and so you have to kind of find that that positivity anywhere you could small successes, small victories. You had to literally stop and smell the roses. I mean, this is the one thing I remember. One of my staff members uh, who um, sadly passed away um, of, the, the, of COVID, I remember he was telling me, he says, Mr. Brandenburg, you need to stop and smell the roses. Because I was running around all the time because you're trying to accomplish so many things all day long, Right. I mean we all know in a town those 3 hour days can be super long and you barely can just plant yourself somewhere and hey enjoy a beautiful lobby you have right maybe you've designed a uniform of, of of a particular position and you're like hmm you know it really looks good you know and, and wow that flower arrangement over there i'm glad i put it there or oh, i need to talk to the florist about that and i that's what i learned um last year that that you know what we don't It's not the fast pace and the multitasking. It's, it's, hey, smell the roses. Take, pay attention and listen to everyone. Uh, Listen to, not just to hear and do response, just just listen to what people actually is telling you or your staff tells you and then adapt. And we made a lot of changes to our service model. We have a hotel that was basically just driving on on business travel um, Monday through Friday before, very driven by tech. And now we had to adapt and now, oh my God, now we have leisure. Leisure segment is the only thing in existence right now. So how you turn a business hotel into a leisure hotel that does not have a pool, that does not have a restaurant open yet, that does not have a spa and all those beautiful amenities that you can find in Phil's um, castle, up on the hill, you know, um, and 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 at the same time, you you need to keep showing some efforts and growth, um, and and making sure that uh, you know your your shareholders are not losing their minds over what are we going to do with this asset. So transparency and honesty is really something that, with my small team, you know, you you need to talk honesty. You can't just do a, a used car salesman's pitch and try to get them over on your side and have you have them support you they if you're a smart leader you hire the best people they are and they're smart people and and you can't you can't tell them a story they they see it right through it so you you gotta have to lay out the facts and you gotta say okay what are we gonna do with it this is where we need to go this is what we have that's not a lot so let's build these bridges and those paths and take a sprint here and there and and just get to the finish line, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. Uh,
2: Rob, you just said um, about optimism and that you, you shouldn't just say everything's going to be fine. One thing that I, I learned in the past year was that, no, you don't have to be optimistic, yeah, but you have to, to give hope, right? And hope is not that everything is going to be fine in the end, but that Uh everything is going to make sense in the end, regardless of the outcome, right? So this is something retrospectively when you think, ah, yeah, I understand. This is why we did this and that, and this is why this and that happened.
1: Hmm. Is it important, do you think, to always explain why we are trying to get from A to B, or are you are you are you doing this every time right from the get go?
2: Yeah, it, it it depends. It depends on. <laughs> it depends is my favorite answer actually, uh, <laughs> because because it it shows the nuances of 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 gray, the shades of gray between everything. You cannot say either or. Um, yeah, you have to to explain to some extent. Yeah, uh, you have to tell the why. And I remember one of uh, Jen's podcasts when you you quoted Simon Sinek, and I, I know that Rob. You like this uh, this author as well um the why why we do things right is is important for everybody to understand but that is the higher set purpose right so um as long as you are aligned with that that purpose then there are a multitude of ways to decide and uh and sometimes you just have to say look this is uh, this is how we're gonna do because uh, there is some urgency but if it's uh if it's something that affects everybody then you better be the last to talk
0: man just listening to the two of you you brought up some really fantastic concepts differentiating optimism and hope and differentiating you know positivity and bringing it back just to the purpose maintaining Mm -hmm. that purpose and maintaining the why and operating Mm -hmm. based off of those two principles so very interesting thank you both
2: you 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 know just just uh in in our company our our uh, purpose is to restore uh, to restore times true value i say that again because it's important restoring times true value for our guests and for our teams because the guests come for a reason right so when you manage a luxury hotel there is nothing more relevant than that unless You develop people unless you restore the employees' time's true value so that you inspire them, that you make them better people. And for the guests, that they can restore their time as well, right? That they find relaxation, that they can uh, rekindle with their families, that they find inspiration, that they uh, relax, etc. So regardless of what we decide, we always keep restoring times true value at the the top of our priorities and that helps a lot it's a guiding star
1: i found that very powerful phil uh and you were telling me that that is a value right that you you call this your
2: core value no it's our purpose it's uh,
1: our uh, the purpose yeah. sorry mm-hmm. because we're talking um, about value it's not okay mm-hmm. um so is that a way for you to also inject hospitality skills into service people. Oh, totally. Where, where you right, the diff where you just extend service is not being hospitable,
2: right? Mm-hmm. I, I always ask the question, what is the difference between service and, and, and hospitality? And the best answer I get or I got was that service is black and white and hospitality is colors is everything in between, is everything that comes from the heart, is what you do as if you're serving your grandmother that you love. Right? So it's um it's it's an interrelationship between between emotions, brain, uh standards and action. And actually this quote came from Will Ghidara, who uh who was with Daniel, whom the 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 partner of Eleven Madison Park, and I thought that was very very powerful. And I always tell this when I have the orientation with our teams: is we want to have colorful service, hospitality from the heart.
0: That's really beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. And maybe Jen, to put this in perspective to understand for less economical people, um, to be- the difference between service and hospitality the way i explain it to my room attendants is service is what we do to people and hospitality is how we make them feel
2: that's fantastic Mm.
1: so yeah because you can't come with this beautiful uh uh, explanation the deep-rooted explanation that phil has and with his team and what, what he put together and how he built his culture you need to just like simplify it and it, when you're standing in front of room attendance where you have, you know, an English language barrier and, but that's where it starts, right? Because if, if they are not cutting on to this, uh, then, you know, you can't, you can't do it in one part of the building, but not on the other, right? It has to be everywhere where you um, spread this buck.
0: Absolutely. It has to be infiltrated in all corners, and that's the difference. And that you know, that's the difference between just taking the transactional approach and taking the the actual hospitalitarian approach of just infusing it into your properties and into your people. Oh, I love I love these kind of conversations because well, it makes me nostalgic for working on property <laughs> because as difficult as it is, it, it it gets under your skin in an in the best way. Because you, you find yourself having those kind of interactions with people when you know you've made a difference for somebody. And it's that is very rewarding, I think. And anyone who works in a hotel and has had that experience and you realize you have made somebody's vacation dreams come oh. true. I mean, it's because you know what it feels like yourself when you're in that position. And I think... You know, it's it's just so important to remember, you know, this is such a hard time for so many people. It's a hard time for employees and guests and to just try to keep that empathy going for each other. So we remember that somebody is taking the time to come to your hotel and stay there and they want to have the best experience possible. And then on the flip side, the people who are working there want to try to give you the best experience possible. But sometimes doesn't always see eye to eye. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's forced, right? Where you just know immediately, oh, they're just trying too hard to make something happen here. Right? It has to come naturally. And, and and it's not always possible because you have these individuals who are all humans, you you walking into your door and some of them are easier to read and some of them are just, oh my god, I just Murphy's law, everything just goes wrong with some, with some guests. Right. <laughs> and so and sometimes you're standing there and you're like, oh, I can just see this just going south all the way. And, <laughs> and then sometimes it happens and you just don't know why it's just, I don't know if it's chemistry, but, but yeah. Mm. Like how great would it be if we could just inject all our staff with, with a virus called hospitalian, right? Like a hospitalian mm-hmm. virus. I know it's not a word. I think it's a word that was uh, used by, by uh, Bobby Stokey in a, in a TED talk that I I, I saw in two thousand fourteen, where he explained the, dis- service, uh, the difference between service and hospitality. And he was ta- he was talking about hospitalians, and I love that word. And I, I consider myself a, a hospitality in constant training. Um, you know, and and why isn't it a word? I think we should trademark it right now and and claim it on our own. <laughs> Well
0: done. Let's do it. <laughs> well, and, and this is a reason that I was so eager to talk to you both. Um, and it is just that mentality, that that hospitality mentality <laughs> that you <laughs> that, that you bring to this conversation. And I'm not saying that it's not found in uh, hotel operators on this continent, um, but I just I know. And like I said, for the beginning, you know, it was Philippe and some of his other some of our other colleagues that really made me see that there is more to this business. It's it's a deeper there's there's a deeper meaning to it than just checking people into a room and they're staying there and using the pool. Like, I mean, there's a lot more. And you both just completely demonstrated how and why. So thank you. But another reason that I was so eager to have you both on is just, again, to touch on this this worldview that you both have, that, that it's unique. You know, you've – Philippe currently lives across the world. Rob, you have, and you travel frequently, and you've both worked on other continents, and you've seen so much. And I'm just curious, you know, I mean – I. I'm all about bringing different perspectives. I mean, that that's kind of the point of the show, to bring different perspectives to my listeners of different positions in this business in general, hospitality, events, all of it. But you both bring a perspective of working in not only different positions, but different locations and encountering so many more circumstances and situations that a lot of my listeners have been able to just because we haven't all been lucky enough to work in Jakarta (laughs) or, (laughs) or Switzerland or anything like that. So I'm curious, with this worldview that you both have, what are some of the major wins that you've seen in the past year, either an individual or a company? Or like, who has a major success story from your point of view? Like, who's really doing it right right now
2: wow (laughs) that's a very good question um then (laughs) i think the the foundation of um a worldly success is um is to have an open mind uh and to have understanding and just like i said earlier i think this this these times have brought to us more awareness about about tolerance, about um, gratitude, about health, about what is um, what is a given and what is not a given anymore. Um, what we can expect, what we can't expect, and uh, I think for uh, for us as as hoteliers and as listeners also, we are listeners. We listen to teams, we listen to guests, etc. Um, is to remain with open ears, and uh, the most inspiring conversations that I have is with my sister, who uh, who runs the WHO office for Kazakhstan. So she's, I always refer to her as a Dr. Fauci of Kazakhstan, right? So <laughs> she can wow. explain everything what is going on in the world and give me some perspective as well so i would say that her handling covid in in a very remote area in a developing area just next to china while raising her family with two kids alone right that is that is a major success in my eyes, right? Because it's this dedication that I mentioned with Rob. It's it's this obsession. It's uh, it's the open heartedness. It's the lack of judgment about other people. Is um, embracing strangers as the as your own. Um, that is something that inspires me, and that gives us wins. And I think that is something also that um, that you get once you travel extensively and i was just thinking today when uh, um when you look at the news from the, in the us i was i was listening to the uh, to the uh, senate hearing for um, ali mayorkas uh, who will head the department of Hol- homeland security what a fine human being that is right so i think that um the 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 current administration has has um has made th- absolutely perfect choice with him but that needs need some interest is how many people are listening to those hearings now and how how many people are listening in the u.s how many people are listening from abroad and i think it's this curiosity this intellectual stimulation that is um that is instrumental for um, for change and for for wins actually
0: i completely agree mm. and I love the fact that the example that you gave was your own sister, somebody in your own family. That's so beautiful and what a cool experience to be part of. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. All right, Rob, now you're in the hot seat.
1: (laughs) Oh, now I'm in the hot seat. I can feel it already. (laughs) You know, uh, if I'm looking at last year, I have to mention my colleagues within the company. We have in in our West Coast, uh, we have... uh, some really special smaller hotels down the coast. Some of them are in like real hot spots in in California and and Texas. And uh, I know some of the stories of of the small teams, the GMs, their, their small executive committees, if they could retain them, how much they've done with very little Uh, monetary and very little manpower uh, in order to really still hold up the fort and literally hold up the fort and, and serve who they were able to serve and you know hearing those stories how some of us cleaned rooms and still are filling up mini bars and and, and checking in people is, is is something beautiful. My my small team here, we learned how to use tools. We lear- we learned to use tools that we never used before, right? From PBX applications uh, at the phone panel to uh, to the, the property management system to 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 websites to confirmation letter um, setups and all this other stuff. I'm like. We would have never done that because we would have been so busy, you know, at thirty thousand feet and managing a team of ten, twelve, or I don't know how many people. And now all of a sudden we're in the trenches and we're like, "Wow, isn't that great?" And we we, we actually do have the time to do like these little things that we were very rarely we were not able to do in the past. And 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 how so many colleagues all around the world probably have done that in our industry. I think this is remarkable. And that makes us so much more versatile and a word that Phil was using agile or one of our core values in the company is nimble. Um, That for me is probably the silver lining that um, I would kind of carve out of this really, you know, out of order year that I just want to 86 and forget for the rest. Um, but I know it's going to make us definitely a better leaders, and and we'll appreciate, the, you know, the, the small things of life. And like personally, I, I I do appreciate what I have. You know, we're always in a society where you're like, oh, I this and need to go there, I need to go. Well, why don't you just look around, appreciate what you have, and and just take that in for a moment.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so true. I was listening to a different podcast, and uh, they were reviewing, I don't know, some of the things that people do to show gratitude or to demonstrate gratitude in their life. And they mentioned, that I think they were pulling it from a magazine. It was something about how somebody every day puts their hand on their wall in their house and says, thank you, home, for giving me shelter. <laughs> it's so simple. I mean, kind of, kind of funny, right? But in a way, I thought, well, that's kind of beautiful because just for a moment let's think about people who don't even have a roof over their heads and here mm-hmm. i have this house and there might be a million things that i think are wrong with it but <laughs> the fact of the matter is it's giving me shelter i'm here and like if you just bring it back to like these very basic simple things that's a way that we can find the silver lining and what we just all went through right
1: very true well said yes yes
0: Phil, you mentioned, and I I thought it was absolutely true, we've all remained unchanged after what we've all just been through and are still going through. And we talked a lot about hope today and just looking towards the future and the different benefits that we have, we're trying to pull out of the situation. So based on the ways that you've both been changed, what are some of the things that you're excited to implement or take part of? As we move in, throughout 2021, or what are some of the things that you're excited about seeing society maybe adapt to, or you're hoping to see society adapt to based on some of the changes that we've been through?
2: I was told to not sound like a pastor. Uh, but I think. Uh, <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Rob, smiling. Um, <laughs> No, I think it's it's those um, core values that are the most important. Uh, that we we remember those. We are in a journey. This change has cha- uh, started a year ago, um, where many people had to go through hardship. Um, still are, have lost uh, people, have lost um, material goods and um they now focus again on on what is really important and uh and I think that is where the journey brings us. This is is you, you you consume less, you you ask yourself more, is this really necessary or is it really um what I want? Um perhaps you become more uncompromising. I think you, you value time more right now you make more out of your time you seek more experiences instead of things because ultimately the most important in life are not things right it's 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 the people that's around you it's the feelings that you have it's the moments that you uh, enjoy with other people etc so um, this is something that i hope that the the world is more going through and um, less or f- fewer material things that that you attach importance to then and uh, and more importance to experiences i think
0: it'll be very interesting to see if that carries through and i i also hope that it does because it felt like things were really just out of control <laughs> in mm-hmm. so many ways you know we just we were living these crazy Busy, full lives, so many things were important to us that we've realized we can let go of and be just fine, so it'll be interesting to see if two years from now, three years from now we're right back where we were or if we are forever changed
2: I spoke to to Rob about this early um a few days ago, and uh we talk we spoke also about education and ultimately and now he's he's on the advisory board of uh of uh, a famous university in boston if i remember <laughs> that <very> well <laughs> um I, I, and, and, no, and no no no
1: well it, no it's not
2: <laughs> i want to say what i want to say is it's more important what you have in your mind and in your heart than what you have in your wallet because that can take be taken away from you and i think that is the journey that rob is also on
1: yeah, and that's one of the conversations that actually Phil and I had during the time when uh, you know at the height of the uh, the COVID time uh, was I don't know wasn't in May or or June of last year where many of us ask ourselves Is this is this it? You know, is this, is what's going to happen? And do do I still going to be you know having a, an opportunity to fulfill my dreams? And do I have to take a turn in my career or not? And and Feel very quickly you know, assured me that, you know, you gotta have to focus on your educational side and you need to make the best of it and that, you know, we're going to stick to it and it will be fine. However, it will be, it will be fine at some point. It's like, right, we're still, we're still settling after we were tumbled around or we're still getting tumbled around. And, and I think the most exciting thing for me is not to know in a way, because we we all thought we're always going to know what's going to happen, right? I mean, you forecasted a budget and budgeted, and then you forecast and re and it, and you're, you put all these predictions out, and we all think, oh, this is the best data set, oh, I get this, and as soon as I have this, that means that. But now, it's like, you know, the chips are in the air, and. Let's see where they fall. And and I think that's kind of exciting to, to get to into it. Um, it's nerve-wracking, but at the end of the day, you know, you're not in control. And that's what I'm kind of taking into this year. And to clarify, it's the it's the Bellevue College. It's the Tombolo Institute of uh, uh, of, of the Bellevue College, uh, the sign thinking program where I was put on the advisory board uh, just recently, which is really exciting because the... The thinking is exactly what I think helps us in hotels so much because it's a, it's a human-centered focus of methods and, uh, and in ideologies in order to tackle problems and, and improve things. And it's a, it's a fantastic program. Um, it's not the only one out there. I mean, it's decades old, that, that philosophy. But it's, it's like one of those things like uh, emotional intelligence that I know was always there. When I learned emotional intelligence during Starwood times uh, back many years, where you're like, oh, that's what it's called, right? <laughs> and you're following it and you, you're like, you're familiar with it and you maybe it's some of these things that you lift by, but you never actually were able to slap a label on it. And I think design thinking is exactly one of those things where you in- include everybody and you you, you went with the great amount of empathy you basically are gonna tackle things and then you test them before implementing and you evaluate and doing all these things that we in the hotel industry usually don't do because we just put an SOP together, we put it into action because we need to fix problems and then we move on. Right. We never actually went back. Is it really working as well as we thought it would? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you know, I, Seriously. <laughs> self-criticism is always good once in a while. Um, so maybe that's another thing that kind of came out of, um, out of 2020 because you had a lot of time to think.
0: Well, I love both of what you're excited about. Man, Rob, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I think that is really something that we've all learned is, you know, we never were in control but we didn't really realize it until <laughs> yes. until now and it is exciting well when our audience is fully free to travel again would you care to each share just just one little quick blurb a little commercial if you will for for each of your properties
2: no just just come on over and come on over and see the magic of the place it's uh you it's hard to describe you no know, it I'm not in sales I'm <laughs> it's just <laughs> beautiful it's it's a feeling that you have in your heart when you see it and when you feel it when you smell it and and even if it's minus 20 degrees Celsius I have no idea how much that is in Fahrenheit but it's pretty damn cold but Sounds it's cold. it's it is it is a fantastic uh fantastic environment and sure
0: it's magical
2: you know it's kind of put words on magic
1: yeah or or you know i mean i you know i can sell seattle all day long um the pacific northwest um you have you drive two hours and you are 2,000 meters above sea level and you have beautiful lakes and mountains i mean i feel like i'm just stumbling into phil uh, when I'm sometimes uh, when me and my wife cruise around uh, we even started kayaking last year how crazy is that oh. and, and you know you you, you have Seattle probably the only city that I know of that has the sounds which is uh, uh, the ocean uh, and then you have uh, um, fresh body waters in, within the city limits we have two lakes and you have uh it, the opportunity to do so many things on the water itself, and you can go hiking. I mean, no wonder everybody is crazy about outdoor activities up here and uh, doesn't dress up. I mean, I always look like I'm, I'm I don't belong here in my three piece suit every time I walk outside the stores, and that's probably why. But it's 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 beautiful, <laughs> especially in the summertime in August uh, and in July, August, and even into very early September. It's just absolutely magical to be in the city and and uh you know, enjoy all their museums and and sports activities and everything, it's just fantastic.
0: Well, thank you both so much for being on the show today. What a beautiful conversation. I just, I I love absorbing all that you had to say. Uh, It really just paints such a beautiful picture of hospitality and, and the mentality that you both have as leaders and what it takes to be a good leader. And I appreciate your bigger view your, your worldview that just isn't possible unless you have gone and done many of the things that you have done. So thank you both.
1: Very thank kind of, you, Jen. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having us.
0: Thanks again, Philippe and Rab, for not only restoring our listeners' time today through the value that you have provided, but also for reminding us about the importance of stopping to smell the roses. I'd venture to guess that if anyone listening is lucky enough to work for one of you someday, they will absolutely walk through fire in order to fulfill your purpose. Well, that is a wrap on this week's episode, and I want to hear from you. Please send feedback, show ideas, comments, questions, and of course, interest in participating to me at roomblockpodcast at gmail.com, or send me a message on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for joining me today and please remember to subscribe to The Room Block so you can continue to join in the conversation.